This podcast is sponsored by Jabra Enhance. Getting hearing aids is no picnic. It's expensive, confusing, time-consuming, right? Actually, no. With the Jabra Enhance Select and Premium Package, you can get state-of-the-art hearing aids and professional care without the hassle. Jabra Enhance offers advanced rechargeable hearing aids delivered to your door for thousands less than you'd expect. No offices, no waiting rooms. Just take the online hearing test to personalize your hearing aids. Enjoy speech clarity, noise reduction, and hearing technology that adapts to your unique sound environments. And the audiology team can provide adjustments to your hearing aids remotely on request for three years. And the best part? You'll likely pay thousands less than if you went to a traditional audiologist. And now for a limited time, save $200 when you order Jabra Enhanced Select Hearing Aids with promo code PODCAST. Go to jabraenhance.com and enter promo code PODCAST to save. jabraenhance.com code PODCAST. For eligible individuals 18 and older in 50 United States and Washington, D.C. with mild to moderate hearing loss only, audiology team may not be able to program hearing aids for some types of hearing loss. See website for details and important safety information. All right, Greg Scheinman here with you today, Midlife Mail Podcast Time. Thank you so much for joining me this week, every week. I really appreciate it as we keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Today, I am super excited. We've got one of our first female guests on the Midlife Mail Podcast. Dr. Jen Esker is on the show. She is a top 40 physical therapy influencer. She's got over 600,000 followers on Instagram. Her videos are incredible. Kate and I watch them every single day. I'm following her programs. Our boys are following her programs. She is ranked as one of the best fitness trainers on Instagram by Shape Magazine. She's been featured in Self Magazine, Men's Fitness, Muscle and Fitness, pretty much everywhere. She is a absolute dynamo. She is the creator of the mobility method, optimal body, and she's just flat out awesome. She offers private sports therapy, online programs, workshops, and speaks at global engagements, attracting audiences from stay-at-home moms and dads working from home to Hollywood actors, Olympic athletes, And her mission is to help those who are willing to listen to their body, reverse aging, eliminate pain, and establish sustainable health. She's got a ton of street cred, bachelor of science in kinesiology, doctor of physical therapy, FRC, MS, SFMA certified, all kinds of initials, letters, certifications, uh, capabilities, credentials, and Again, she is somebody that I really enjoy watching, learning from, uh, and helping me move and perform and feel better. So let's get to it. Jen Esker on the Midlife Mail Podcast. Jen, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I was watching your Instagram this morning, actually, like I do every day to get all of my, all of my tips and you were uh, playing around with my buddy Mike Adala out there. Oh, that's your buddy too. Yeah, we've been friends for gosh, uh 6 years now. That's all that's awesome. Such such a great guy, super super mobile. Um, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable at everything. So, I saw that and I was like, okay, super super cool. The world gets the world gets smaller. <laughs> right, exactly. Yes. Well, you're also one of the the first woman uh, on the Midlife Mail podcast. 
Oh, wow. I well, realized. I'm feeling honored. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Um, you know, I started this with this kind of mission to help men better navigate middle age, achieve a better quality of life, avoid the the proverbial crisis, you know, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I found even after you know, doing a hundred of these episodes and talking to men is that quite frankly, the vast majority of my feedback actually comes from women. Um, mm. And a lot of who I am following right now um, for my own health, recovery, mobility, sustainability, and longevity happen to be you know, dynamic females and women like yourself. Amazing. I love that. So it's been an interesting, um, I guess, kind of progression. Um, first, I wanted to ask you, do you see in your practice kind of fundamental differences between men and women, you know, and how we approach what you, even what you do in your services? I would say, yeah. So a lot of times, you know, for me personally, where I feel I can tap into a little bit deeper that are maybe I create a space that feels more comfortable for women and I'm just not there with men. (laughs) But for women, you know, when we really tap into the nervous system and get things to finally calm down, especially when you have pain, things are hot, things are, you know, a little bit more on the surface, a little bit more touchy because it's like, why do I have this pain? I shouldn't have this pain. It needs to go away. I don't have time for it. You know, a lot of things happen around pain and injury in the body, especially emotionally and how we handle it within our nervous system that we don't even realize. And so when we get people to really calm down, I've had a lot of women that just start crying. And sometimes they don't know why they're crying. They don't understand what's happening, but their body is finally releasing. And I've had women as well who five years of back pain, all of a sudden it's gone. And when we're really tapping into this different level of the nervous system, I find I get there a little bit quicker with women, where men, sometimes it takes a lot more verbal communication, understanding. It's more like analytical as to like, let me understand really what's happening uh, because Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to cry for you. So we're going to need to talk through things a little bit more. (laughs) And that's what I find a little bit more with, with men, which isn't bad. Like I've definitely had a lot of success with men with tapping them back into the nervous system. It just takes a little bit longer and it takes a little different avenues, I would say, to get there. Yep. Make, makes a lot of sense. Um, I found we're a little stubborn also. <laughs> um, I think also a little bit of, um, you know, maybe not wanting to look foolish or even admit any kind of vulnerability, you know, mm-hmm. in some of these, in some of these areas. Is is that accurate with what you see too? Totally. I think it, especially coming from a woman being in front of you, it's hard to say, okay, I'm going to fully let go or fully, you know, tell you everything that I'm feeling. Where if I was a male therapist, maybe I would create a different space. And I think, honestly, that's what my fiance does for a lot of people. And that's why we've bonded so well right from the very beginning of meeting because we do get into this connection place with with clients. We're looking beyond their pain point, beyond their physicality of their body and movements, and we're going deeper into who they are as humans and, and the connection there. And he's able, I think, in a really cool way to tap into the male uh, vulnerability 
because he is a male. So if he opens up about stories, if he can can talk about things and a man can feel like they can relate to it a little bit more rather than this young female who's <laughs> trying to to go there vulnerably, it's just different, you know? And so I don't think it's bad. And I think, and I have, again, it just depends. It depends if a, if a man is willing to go there, then I have had great success. And sometimes it takes a little longer. It takes a few more sessions, but sometimes we get there. And what I mean by getting there really is, is your understanding beyond your biomechanics of movement, the how your pain can be related to your environment, mentally, you know, health-wise, different, different things that whether it's stress related, whether it is sleep, whether it is diet, there's different things that play a role in our environment that are going to have an effect on our nervous system. And when our nervous system is more heightened, we're not going to have these, the ability to really decrease the sensitivity to pain. So it all heightens that sensitivity. So that's what I mean by getting there as well. Yep. Make, makes a lot of sense. Um, we jump right in and I'll, I'll stay here for a second. And I definitely want to get into background and kind of some routine, routine stuff, but the nature in which you see patients also um, in person, online workshops. Um, again, do you see a difference there? Um, men may be more comfortable communicating, you know, online or watching versus being in person, or is it group, you know, or, or small group, you know, training or mobility versus one-on-one? You know, what what's your take on that? I think a, a man wants to feel like they could do it for themselves. And that is where I do, even though, you know, I could talk about my avatar and I would say she's, she's a female, but yet I have a lot of males in my programs and I have a lot of males learning with me. And I think the, the success where that's coming from is that they see what can be beneficial, maybe not in person, but that I have these tools online. And if I just go into it and I use it and I am able to create an effect, then it comes from me from them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I see a lot more males having a lot more success by going into it on their own online and feeling that empowerment that I did it and this, and I was able to create this change, which is ultimately my whole goal with every human male or female is that I want them to feel empowered that they have, they, they took tools and they'd put it in their body and they create a change. And so if that's like the avenue that people can get there from, I'm all for it. <laughs> yep. It's, it's great. I mean, that's like, similarly, that's how I found you. My, my wife was following you um, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, creeping over her shoulder, what she's looking at on her phone, you know, there and I'm going, okay, this content is just unbelievable. It's what I need, um, you know, for spending so many years of, if I had to choose one or the other, which was probably do more mobility or get in another hard workout, but you know, the choice I was making, you know, yep. for a long time, which was yep. don't miss, don't miss a workout. Um, whereas as I think I've gotten older, uh, the emphasis has become much more on sustainability, much more on longevity. Um, and if I had the choice now, I would say, you know, I lean much more, you know, towards the mobility, uh, flow movements, lightening the load, if any, you know, body weight engagement and watching, um, watching things from you so I can learn how to sit better, you know, and how to stand better or move better, because that's a lot of 
that's that's what real life is right now and has been for a long time. Yeah, totally. So, okay, your background. Tell me a little bit um, about how you start your day. What's what's your routine to get up and moving? You know, for me, I I don't. I don't hold myself strict to something. I'm more about compassion, grace. It's it's going to change depending on the phase of life I'm in, the, the how much sleep I got the night before, all of that kind of stuff. And I'm a I'm a I'm a late bird, <laughs> meaning I will stay up or a late owl. I should say I will stay up late working in order to get things done because I don't trust that I'm going to wake up early in order to do it in the morning. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. just always been my mo. Where my fiance again, he's complete opposite. He will fall asleep early, wake up super early in order to get things done, and. So when I wake up, I usually wake up more around 7.30 to 8 and do a little bit of mobility in bed, <laughs> feel a little bit more open. And then I come right out for coffee and I kind of sit in my nook in in the couch as I'm starting to review, whether it's social media, emails or anything where the sun can come like right into my face while I'm having my coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so I automatically want to get a little movement, a little sunlight and I mean, the first thing I should do, I will admit this, is I should have water before I have coffee. <laughs> and that's not always what I do. Um, but I'm working on incorporating that. Can I, does that really make a difference? I, I tend, you know, I always want to drink a lot of water in, in the morning and I follow that Tom Brady, like I've got to get 20, you know, 20 milliliters of water in and my BCAAs and everything in them. But I tend to go for the coffee first also. Does it really make a difference? You know, it really does. Overall water intake and and fueling our body with that before we get our coffee is going to help in in every area. So I will say yes. <laughs> but we do have a, I think, a mutual um, a mutual love of strong coffee. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. So what is your? Uh, I've become kind of obsessed with that brand too. What's your strong coffee of choice? I have been really loving the black because I am more of a a black coffee woman anyways. And so when he came out with black that doesn't feel as heavy, it's not as sweet, and it really does taste like I'm just drinking straight black coffee, I, I'm obsessed with that one. I go through it so so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually mine too. I started more on the morning morning fix, moved my way to midnight oil, and then he he cranked out the black, and that's been the go to ever yep. since. How funny! Yes, but but I'll follow your lead. I'll start the, with the water before the coffee. Yes, <laughs> let's work on I'll that. Make it a point. Did did you always know this is what you wanted to do? You know, getting into physical therapy. You know, I I always loved the human movement. I was obsessed with understanding it, learning it, wanting to know why. And so when I when I quit gymnastics, I started coaching gymnastics and I loved that. And then I discovered this thing called Pilates when I was I went into undergrad studying kinesiology, the study of human movement because it was the only thing that really fascinated me. And as I continued to coach and teach Pilates, there was always these things that would pop up. And I'm like, I can modify around pain or movement or tape something, but why? And what else could I do? What what else could I change and help with that could actually help this pain? And 
I started working in a physical therapy clinic and I really saw, I just, I just became so fascinated by watching a therapist feel movement in their hands or watch movement from, from someone who's just walking. And I'm always thinking, what are they looking at and what are they watching? And I loved being in the clinic, being able to see, you were seeing clients all the time and you really got to walk their journey with them rather than seeing them in a doctor's office and hoping that the thing that you tell them to do is going to be done. You're actually walk in the journey with someone. And I really loved that aspect and felt like that is that feels genuine to me. That feels really something that I want to I want to be able to walk journeys with people. And so that just became like, I don't care how many loans, I don't care what I need to do. I'm going to be a physical therapist. And that was just where my mindset was. Yep. It's it's awesome to have that calling and that and that passion. You've been pretty open also about saying, look, I never intended to really have a following or become a quote unquote influencer. Um, but that's happened, you know, I mean, in a, yeah. in a, big, in a big way, I mean, over 600,000 followers and you are as active as anybody in the online with unbelievable content. What was that or what has that transition been like for you? We were talking about kind of that hands-on approach, you know, all the time to, this is a whole nother job, an animal to kind of develop content, put it out there, respond. Um, and that's got to be vastly different from just, let's say, hands-on physical therapy going to a place every day. 100%. And, you know, it's gratifying in just such a different way. I still love working in person with people and seeing the results that I'm that I'm really getting one-on-one with someone. However, when you're able to just put content out and then you get feedback that, oh, you put this one post and now my shoulder's been, you know, no pain-free. And I'm like, what? From a post? That's amazing. <laughs> so, it's it's hard because you don't always see the direct feedback. I see numbers. I see things that I'm hoping translate into what people are doing and how they're helping. But it's really like I'm, I'm looking for the comments, for the DMs, for the people who are telling me this worked, this helped, because then I know, okay, I'm headed in the right direction. I'm actually putting out content that's being supportive for people. That's really what what continues to fuel me, what drives me. I ask questions at the beginning of every week. What is it that you need to learn? What is it that you don't see on my page? You know, in order to continue to make sure that I'm that I'm helping and that I'm serving and that I'm able to reach people all over the world. And that's what I've done with putting together my programs and and just continuing to see what is not out there that can help people right now and anywhere. It's been it's been such an incredible journey and honestly like a a little mini not a mini a big personal development growth for me as i've continued to grow because i've gone from super shy jen who didn't ever want to show her face to now this person who can speak on huge stages and talk online and you know just it's it's completely transformed who i am as a person as well yep that again i think that level of confidence and security has got to make you, you know, feel better again and and move better. Because as much as this is physical, uh, talk about the mental side, you know, a little bit. I mean, I feel like, you know, there are times where, you know, I'm just not on my game mentally and it definitely translates to kind of my posture, you know, or how I'm feeling or what, what hurts where. Do you have any tips for you kind of, you know, I know we, now we talk about, you know, physical alignment a lot, but mental alignment as well. 
Totally. And I actually opened up a lot about my journey when I came out of like a four and a half year relationship that ended not great. (laughs) And there was a lot of lessons that opened up for me. And there was a lot of grace and compassion that came with that. Being someone who is a mover every single day, I had moments where I was like, I just, I don't want to move. I want to sit. And I don't want to work out crazy. And yeah, maybe I might go on a walk or go out in nature, but I don't want to work out crazy. And there was this level of listening to my body on such a deeper way that I was able to translate that out to every people, everyone. And honestly, it impacted, I think, my connection with my community even more because I was able to show what it's like to really really tune in, listen in, and have that grace and compassion for yourself. There's no judgment in I'm not getting a hard workout. I'm not sweating right now. I'm actually listening to my body and listening to what my body needs. And what I usually say is we're usually listening to ourselves last. You know, it's like we're searching for all the answers externally. What is this person saying? How can this person help me? And we're listening and focusing out but we never focus in and say, you're worth listening to. Like your body is worth acknowledging and listening to. And when we actually take that in, like, whoa, that's actually big. I, I haven't. I'm, I'm not even aware of what my body needs. I'm not even aware of when I'm feeling tight, restricted, down, when I might need to just chill and stop. You know, yep. we're not we're not as mindful of that. And, and I opening up about my experience and how my process was mentally for me, I think really supported people in having that allowance and permission to listen to themselves. Mm, it's, it's, a great, it's a great point. How much does aesthetics play into, play into this, you know, for you and, and, your, and your patients? You know, I see this, you know, from, you know, from the men that I hear from, a lot. I think you talked about your avatar. You know, I think, you know, there's, there are a few archetypes of, of men that are out there. You know, I'm seeing, you know, guys that have, that have let themselves go. They're out of shape. Um, somewhere in the middle is that dreaded dad bod kind of concept that, that I'm not really sure, you know, <laughs> about. And then, you know, there are these, there's this other type A kind of high performer, you know, who wants to do it all, you know, in there. Um, what do you see in terms of, you know, aesthetics, you know, or kind of a focus that you talked about how your body felt, you know, and listening to your body, but how much does aesthetics really play into this too? You know, when most of the time, I would say the majority of people that I see are people who are just don't even care about the aesthetics at this point. They're like, I've, I'm in pain. I've been to therapists. I've been to chiropractors. I've been to all the people and nothing's helping. And so at this point, I'm just fed up and I just want to feel something different in my body, especially the people who I'm seeing in person because I don't take on a lot of people anymore. And yep. so by the time they come to me, you know, it's they're, they're, they don't care about that. However, there are still, like you're saying, those high performers. And these are the people who are drilling the pain into their body still because they don't stop. It's like this next level. I need to go, 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 go. I don't have time for pain. I don't have time to listen. I don't have time to slow down. And we don't realize that working out is a stressor. So if you're stressed at work, you're stressed at home, then you go stress your body at the gym and you're never doing anything to downregulate your system, you're going to plateau. 
like aesthetics is is not even a question anymore because you can't get there because you're stressing your body and your system so much. So yeah, you're probably going to feel things a lot more. You're going to feel tighter. You're going to feel more restricted. You're going to feel like you need to get a massage all the time or whatever it is because you're drilling your body into this this place where you're you're putting so much pressure on you, you know, and that's where I'd like to tell people we need a balance. Like it's the same as think of a, a, a bicep that's contracted fully. So like your, your arm is fully bent. Now you're trying to go and do bicep curls on a bicep that doesn't know how to lengthen. That's con- constricted and tight like this the entire time. It's not going to do anything. One, it's not going to build any more muscle because it's already in the tightened position and you're not going to get the full range. And that's what your body is kind of doing if you're, if you're stress, 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 and then go work out and have even more stress and tension. And so we have to allow our bodies to get into this full relaxation and, and find the balance of what we talk about, you know, the parasympathetic that rest, relax, digest, and the sympathetic that, that drive, that go, that fight, flight, freeze. We have to have the balance between the two in our bodies in order to start to see something different. It's such a great point. I love that, that phrase. I'm going to, I just wrote it down. I hope I got down regulate, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. And I feel like, you know, even I've said, and this is even for myself too, it's like, okay, you know how to work out. You certainly know how to stress yourself, you know, overall. Yeah. Um, it's certainly a lot harder, as you're saying, to down regulate. And I think that's where, again, that's where the value is. That's for a lot of us, that's what's worth paying for in a way, because I could do it. You know, a lot of the mob- having all the mobility tools, um, but some it's harder almost to do on your own. You know, and I tell guys, and even tell myself, that's what I want to pay for. That's what you guys should be paying for is to build that into your schedule, build that into your routine, because there's tons of workout programming. Yeah, there's tons of ways to hurt yourself. There's tons of ways to overtrain. I don't find that that's that difficult for a lot of people. Right, hard is what you're talking about is to say, hey, I got to take my foot off the gas a little bit here. I have to rebuild. I have to relax. I have to down-regulate. And I have to learn how to make that part of the protocol um, you know, and schedule that like a personal training appointment and even like a business meeting. Oh, my gosh. 100%. If people can start doing that, that'd be everything. And that reminded me, I even worked on someone who – he is very, very, very fit. Like <laughs> he's out on social media. He's very smart. He's very fit, knows about his body. And I did a session with him because he was having back pain. And the next day he said, you know, the biggest takeaway that you provided me was the breath. That is the one thing that's changed what I'm feeling the most. And I'm like, great, keep doing that. Don't, don't do any of the other stuff I gave you. Like, that's fine. And that made the biggest difference and you didn't need to see me again. And if people could really get that and, and, and understand what that means and we can go through what that means. But if, if we just started to implement these little tools, it doesn't have to be fancy. doesn't have to be complicated. It just has to be effective. Yep. And I, to, I do want to go over that and especially the word effective again, that you ended on there because breath work is becoming kind of trendy, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, breath work, contrast therapy, ice, heat, you know, I think recovery, uh, recovery store locations, you know, places you can go for Normatec, Hyper Ice, 
cryotherapy, mobility now, I think they're springing up, which is great. Um, but you mentioned the word effective. And I want to talk a little bit about how to practice those things effectively, because you could pay a bunch of money also, and you could ha- get all that stuff, or you could try it on your own, and you could do all that shit wrong too, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So what what are your thoughts? Like, what's your approach to breath work? You know, how do you teach that and integrate that into somebody's routine? Right. So the, the reality is we're all breathing. It's not like you're not breathing, right? <laughs> um, it's just how are we breathing and, and what is the intention and what I want to create. And so that is the most important thing to realize. If I'm always in a stressed out state, which you might not even realize you are. I have so many clients who come to me as well. And the number one thing we're working on is to release the tension in their body because I will lay them on the table, do passive range of motion, meaning they're supposed to be completely relaxed and I am taking their arms or their legs through range of motion. But I'm constantly... and and think if, if this is you, if you're at a massage place and they're like, relax, relax, relax. And you're like, I am <laughs> They're You're, they're asking that of you because they feel the tension in the body. And that's like when I bring an arm up and I'm, and someone's like, I am fully relaxed, but if I let go, their arm stays in the air. And I'm like, see, that's, that's not fully relaxed. If I were to let go, it should flop to the table again. <laughs> and people don't realize the tension that we naturally hold in the body. It's, I'm laughing, you know, here because it's so spot on. Like, it's me. (laughs) Like, okay, no, relax. Like, I am relaxed. No, you're not relaxed. Like, okay. Like, even some of the massage or the muscle activation technique or something, like, no, isn't this supposed to be painful? You know, like, aren't I supposed to be pushing through this? And it's like, no, you're not. Like, you've just got to give in and let go. Every once in a while. Exactly. And so that's where it's like, okay, how can I adjust the breath that I can even start to become aware of this? And this is, if we're looking at it, I I like to keep it simple, right? How can we explain it so that someone can actually understand it and start implementing it? So if we look at a basic breath pattern, we look at the inhalation state and the exhalation state. That's a breath pattern. Now, the inhalation state in general is going to be more of that sympathetic state. That's going to be more of that fight, flight, freeze. Think of someone scaring you. What do you do? You take a deep inhale. You hold your body. Your your arms come into your chest and and your shoulders rise to your ears and you hold the breath. It's like a, you know, and and everything is, is heightened. That is that sympathetic state. Now, if majority of the time what's been programmed usually is if someone says, take a nice deep breath to try to relax you. The only thing that we focus on is the inhale. The shoulders rise to the ears. We we puff up the chest and we think of a vertical breath and we only think of this big inhale and then we relax on that exhale, but we don't pay any attention to it. And yeah. um, you know, it's, it's actually should be the opposite if you're trying to take a deep breath and, and relax into the body. Because on the flip side, that exhalation is more of that parasympathetic uh, state. That's that rest, relax, digest. That's going and being able to relax at the at when you're getting a massage and you're in this state of, ah, it's just this long sigh, right? That is that that, that state that we want to find within our body. And we can easily do it by just extending the exhale. So if you did a shorter inhale for two to four seconds, and then a longer exhale, six to eight seconds, we automatically start to switch the breath pattern. And 
we could do this from breathing in through the nose, breathing out through the mouth, like you're blowing out from through a straw. This helps to strengthen the diaphragm. And I also like to get away from just putting one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly, because it's not necessarily just a belly breath. And and I've had a lot of clients as well who come in and they're like, I've been working on diaphragmatic breathing and all they're doing is pushing their belly in and out. And I'm like, oh, that's not actually doing anything that you're supposed to be doing, (laughs) you know? So getting someone to put their hands or like wrap a towel around their low rib cage and kind of give it a little bit of a squeeze. And then I like to put someone in front of a mirror and say, can you take a slow inhale for about four seconds and feel the breath on the sides of that rib cage and not see the breath and the tension stress from the shoulders or from the neck? Because this is going to tell you if you're actually doing a diaphragmatic breath. If your rib cage can't move to the side, you're not really getting that expansion. And if your neck and your shoulders are doing most of the work for an inhale, then you're probably stressing your system more than you should be and might be why you get constant headaches, why you always feel like you need massage, why you feel like you have neck tension, upper trap tension, whatever that is is solely because of how you're breathing. I'm rolling my neck right now as you say this, going, okay, where do I feel the tension? How am I breathing? Is so I'm gonna focus on the straw, you know, in there, in there too. It's like the list keeps getting longer as you keep talking. <laughs> Not necessarily in a great way for me, but certainly things to be to be aware of. Yeah. Um, you kind of beat me to to one of my one of my next questions, which are, you know. Do's and don'ts, you know, things that you see constantly or or repeating themselves. I know you ask for people, you know, you ask a lot of questions at the beginning of the week, as you said, and you want people to ask you, you know, what they what they need more of and everything. Are there things you just see over and over again that maybe you're even sick of talking about, but like these are the do's and don'ts, and why do they keep coming up that not just men, but anybody is is doing or not doing? Yeah, I mean, this is all the the number one. Okay, well, I will say the number one thing that us as humans are typically doing is this is my pain point. What do I do for this? And we don't take in the body as a whole, or we don't take our environment in to be effective on the body. And this is something I have to say all the time: we cannot chase the pain. The pain is a symptom. It is not the problem. It is not the cause. If your shoulder is hurting, how is your upper back moving? How is your breath? How is your rib cage? How are how is your base of support from your pelvis and your core? How is the base of support from your feet? We cannot just look at one point and one symptom and say, I need to fix this. And I think that's that's what our system has traditionally coached us into believing, especially even as physical therapists, we've now that we're doctors of physical therapy, that comes with a diagnostic aspect of diagnosing musculoskeletal injury. And so we get so pinpointed on needing to diagnose what is happening right at that shoulder for insurance companies that we are not able to then look around the body and say, wait, but this diagnosis doesn't even matter. All this diagnosis does is it tells me what the pain is it, it, it tells me the pain problem. It doesn't tell me the cause. And people even send me MRIs, x-rays, and I'm like, okay, cool. This doesn't tell me anything about who you are as a human, how you're moving, what else is happening in the body. All this does is possibly, possibly, not even 100% confirm, but it possibly tells me why you're having symptoms in your back. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. It's, uh, you know, I had a, an ER doctor on um, last week who's making the transition into lifestyle medicine for mm. very similar reason, which is we just reactively treat the problem or yes. try to, um, but it's not really the problem, you know, like it's, or, it, or us treating it is not the solution often. Exactly. There. Yeah. And he's getting back to if I can get maybe away from reactive emergency medicine or seeing people that way and get a little bit more focused or a lot more focused on eating, breathing, moving, prevention, you know, the proactive things, sleeping, you know, that we should be doing, um, then maybe we don't have to treat as many people for the same types of problems that we can't solve by isolating them or, as you said, coding them, you know, for an insurance company and for us to get paid X versus Y. You know, on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. That's that's what I hope most doctors will want to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. and it seems to. I, I keep look. I keep hearing more of that, and I think for the right reasons. Because again, as you focus on, I think about sustainability. Again, longevity. You think about. I don't want to have something be wrong and have somebody fix it. I want to have really nothing go wrong. Kind of is the goal. You know, yeah. what am I doing every day to try to help? Um, help prevent things from happening as I age. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. I do want to shift gears a little bit. You talked about you know growing up an athlete, also as a gymnast, and then obviously following your passion into physical therapy and everything you're doing now. Um, I'm a dad. I've got two teenage boys now, um, and I've got a real concern about developing healthy habits and movement, you know, in our, in our youth. Um, and I want to get to talk, if you could talk about that a little bit, or maybe you're seeing this, I'm just seeing kids either specializing in one sport too early, um, or really not getting enough physical education or movement and just being quite sedentary early. They're just, they're not moving well, you know? Um, I guess where I'm going this with this is, you know, I really want to help parents and children develop healthy habits in their kids. And do you are you seeing this too? Yeah, I think with the shift of our environment, our technology getting better, uh, gaming being so popular, we're being stuck in one position way more often. You know, we can have food come to us now. We can. Everything is at the the tip of our fingers. We don't really have to do anything. And and it's quite unfortunate. And it is up to the parents, I think. It is up to the examples that you're going to put forward in order to create and shape different environments for your children. Because you can't always control what's going to happen at school. You can't always control what's going to happen at their friends' houses. But you can control or at least control the environment that they're seeing based on what you're providing. And so is that, you know, we just, in general, there's no one perfect thing. It's variability of all movement, of all things, of of our human body is going to be the best to create different results. And that's even what, what I say, you know, sitting at a desk, what's the best chair, the best thing, the best whatever. It's not one position. It's never one position. The next posture is the best, the best posture. So you have to be constantly moving. Even just sitting here with you, I've, I've turned my chair around. I've gotten up and stretched. <laughs> so if we were on video, you'd see me moving on these different positions. But 
you know, we, we should not be static beings. And I think growing up back in the day when we didn't have as much access to technology and YouTube and just sitting and watching things, um, we, we did, we were outside as kids more and playing and just, can you put your kids outside? Can you say, go play outside? Can you, you know, create more play space? Even as adults, I think we, we forget the importance of just play, of, of having fun, of having that rather than getting a strict workout. Like one of my favorite things recently is that my, one of my girlfriends in the same apartment complex, she just got a tumble mat. And so now we've been pulling that out at least Mm -hmm. once a week and doing some tumbling together. (laughs) And it's been so much fun. And that's my play. It's how I got into calisthenics. It's how I got into acro yoga. It was play. And as adults, we need play. As children, especially, we need play. And that's really going to shape and mold mobility, movement patterns, everything, because you're going to get on the ground, rolling around, sitting down to standing. Like It's going to naturally help to form these better habits within the body without having a strict routine around it because especially as kids, they're not really going to follow a strict routine. Yeah. I think it's, it's a great point uh, that, that you make as it pertains. I think there was for a while, there was this badge of honor of, you know, going hard and going heavy and every workout had to leave you, you know, practically passed out kind of, you know, on the ground, you yeah. know, or you had to, if you didn't have calluses on your hands or you didn't have scraped up shins from doing deadlifts and you didn't have all these, you weren't PRing every day, you know, you weren't, you weren't accomplishing you know, anything. Right. And I do feel like, um, and I'm really pleased about this. I, I feel like there is an emergence now in calisthenics, you know, there is an emergence now in, in breathing, in pool work, you know, in acra yoga, in, you know, just people wanting to have a little bit more fun and maybe learning how to do a handstand, you know, mm-hmm. or doing and, and getting back into that play, which I hope, you know, goes in both directions, both to children as well as adults, because, you know, I've always kind of felt like I, I love this saying, like, you don't get old because you, or you don't stop playing because you get old, you get old because you stop playing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we get sedentary and we slow down and we stop doing things, I think that's when the real, you know, negative changes to our, to our body occur, you know, in there. Yeah. You mentioned chairs, you mentioned couches. You were talking about this this morning too. I was, I was watching in there. (laughs) A lot of us were working from home now, you know, things have completely changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tips, tricks, things we should do for our, our work from home environment to help ourselves, whether it's a, a product or whether, as you said, it's getting up, you know, what's, what do you say? Well, as much variability, especially with the access to being at home, you you hopefully can create a little bit more variability uh, within your workstation. So even if your desk doesn't necessarily stand up, there are things you could put on top of the desk that will allow that you can pull up and create more of like a stand-up desk type feel. Um, and I know like the company I use and I work with is, is fully and they have stand-up desk, stand-up desk converters. They have the chairs that I love and I really endorse because of the way that it puts your body into a position. A lot of times we're looking for these chairs that have all these things on it. And it's like this huge lumbar support, this huge padding, this huge thing. And it's like more, more, more. And it's like, that actually doesn't help. <laughs> we, we need a little less and we just need 
things that actually help to naturally put the body in a better position. And so I really like the chairs because most of them have more of like a saddle type feel or they push the body into more of like an anteriorly tilted position, which when we're sitting, we want the knees a little bit lower than your hips so that you're not forcing, because originally it was like, oh, have your knees right at the at the hips and have it be horizontal. But that usually people don't have a lot of access to that 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 type of hip flexion, especially for long periods of time. So you end up rounding in the back. So if we have our knees lower than our hips, we end up naturally kind of sitting right on those sit bones, which are called our ischial tuberosities in our pelvis. And we're able to naturally have that lordotic curve in the low back, which will align the spine all the way up to the neck. So we kind of want to sit more into those types of positions. And, and what I like about Foley too, is they have you know, some, like the one I'm in right now kind of rocks. There's others that kind of tilt. There's, there's different types of chairs and everything. But even if you don't have that, again, knees below the, below the hips. Um, if you need back support, you can have a little bit of lumbar support. I wouldn't have it be squishy because again, your back will start to round into it. Um, and then have the converter that allows you to stand. The other thing that I do is I is I lay on my stomach and I work on my elbows at my laptop sometimes or on my phone. I sit crisscross applesauce on the floor at my uh, at my coffee table and I do work there. Switch it up. The more that you can switch it up, I promise you, the better. Mm, more more great advice um, for the gym. Also, I mean, obviously we're having a lot of gyms that are closed right now, different kinds of, um, I'm seeing fitness being taken into the house, you know, a lot more or even outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there essentials that, that you need for fitness that you you would recommend or, you know, are you, listen, you don't need anything body weight and here, and here's what I would do. Like if you were somebody that now just got two hours of their life back because they're no longer commuting, you know, back and forth to their office, um, and they want to get a little healthier, where do you tell them to start or what to get or what they need or not need? Well, first I say start with either with tracking your steps. So now that you're at home, can you take calls walking? Can you take a walk in the morning? Can you take a walk in the afternoon? Can you, can you get out and walk a little bit more? Even if it's like freezing outside, depending on where you live in the world, can you go walk down the hallway? Can you go up and down the stairs? What can you do that gets a little bit more steps? Um, I think increasing our steps overall and our movement overall throughout the day is going to be way healthier than like the 30 second or 30 minute workout that you do once a day, you know? So, Mm -hmm. so starting there and now that we all smart, smartphones have the ability to track your steps. So there's no, really no excuse. You can track your steps on just about anything now. Um, and just bringing that awareness, I think is so important. just a place to start. Otherwise, um, I, I'm always an advocate for loading the body as tolerated. So that might mean that you have external weights like dumbbells or, or kettlebells, Kettlebells are tricky. They're, it might look like they're easy to use, but you should really be coached properly <laughs> if you're going to be using kettlebells. Um, otherwise, there's always ways that we can learn how to place more load on the body uh, in different positions. Say, if I'm going to do a push, I can start 
easier if my hands are elevated. I can make it way harder if my feet are elevated. So there's different pressures and loads that we can put on the body just by switching it up. I will say I hope everyone has something to hang from. Um, Unfortunately, in our house, the, the molding around the doorway doesn't allow for a pull-up bar setup. So I go to a local park and I break the rules a little bit and I go hang and do pull-ups and leg lifts because hanging is crucial. Getting some kind of pull in the body is so crucial. So even if that's hanging a towel over the door, closing the door and getting like some pulling, almost like a TRX, there's so many ways that we can we can be creative. It's just about starting to look other places, get that creativity and start to implement it into your life. Yep. You mentioned some people may be in places where again, it's freezing cold or whatever. You're you're in Santa Monica, right? I'm in uh, near that. Yeah. Marina Del Rey. Okay. How did you get there? How, where you, well, yeah, where where are you from originally? Have you always been a California California girl? Like, so I actually have always been a California girl. I grew up inland empire in Southern California. Um, I've only lived in uh, in New York. I actually did December through March, so it was freezing. That was my first like experience with <laughs> cold weather. Was in New York uh, when I did a clinical. Otherwise, I'm a Southern California girl through and through. Now that I am marrying a Minnesota man, I am going to get a little bit more experience in the cold, um, but probably will stay out in California most of the year. <laughs> I can tell you, having uh, been born and raised in New York, going to school in Michigan, and now being in Houston, Texas, uh, I'm okay without the cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would be okay without the hundred plus degrees in humidity in Houston sometimes too, yeah. but this is the first. Uh, this is the first summer in a long time we hadn't actually been out by you in California in that whole anywhere from like Venice, Santa Monica, Manhattan Beach, anywhere along there is where we love to be. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, it's so nice there. Houston is un is unbearable. Is there a question or a topic that? you feel like, why does nobody ever ask me about this? I do all these things, you know, <laughs> and nobody ever hits me with this thing you know, in there. Do you have any of those? You know, I think, I think I cover, you know, usually I always pull conversation back into what I think is most important because it's easy to show the exercises and the sexy things on social media, but, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the breath, talking about the why, educating on, on a deeper level, even going into emotional support and stress, those are the really the the key topics I love to hit on a podcast and just remind and educate people on because it's not always the things you can see on social media. People want to look for how to. They don't know necessarily always want to look at why. And mm-hmm. um, and I will say if people are putting captions on on posts, it's probably important to read, especially mine. I, that's a majority of the education is in the in the captions. So don't neglect captions. <laughs> Yeah. And you do a great job with, with your videos, the swipes, the expressions, like everything. Where did you kind of develop this, this style that you have? It's just developed over time, getting feedback. You know, in the beginning when I was educating, I so was so afraid of the camera. So it'd only be like, just look at the movement. Don't really look at who I am. And I'm not going to talk. And I'm not, <laughs> you know, it was very much about that. And then 
as I continued on my journey and personal development and and all of that, I started to say, okay, how can I just ask questions more? And so I would talk and ask questions, or then I would start to talk and explain things. And as I was seeing just how people were receiving the feedback, I'm always questioning, what do you like better? What format do you like? What do you receive information? And I ask, I, that's the best thing, way that you're going to start to know <laughs> your people mm-hmm. and really feel like you're doing it for them, not for you, is by asking. And so I ask a lot and a lot of people started to say, and I started to notice too, I, I noticed trends. So TikTok became really popular, right? And that's usually shorter, especially at the beginning, it was like 15 seconds, quick and sh- moving to different things. And so that's where I was like, okay, I probably should maybe stop talking as much and do quicker, more visual uh, things. And so that's where the swipe throughs happen. That's where I started getting more visual in my expressions and (laughs) um, bringing some comedy into it a little bit, just so that people can feel like they, they truly can see it understand it maybe a little bit more and then hopefully read the caption to understand it even deeper. Yep. It again makes makes perfect sense. When you get all that feedback, because sometimes it's a little bit of like, be careful what you wish for. Maybe sometimes <laughs> like you get all the feedback. Do you ever like, you get the feedback and you, you, you know, you turn to your fiance and you're like, they want more of this. And I don't want to, you know, like, I, do I got to give it to them? You know, or like, am I still being true to myself? You know, or do I respond back? Like, that's not what we need more of. I mean, do, yeah. you, do you wrestle with some of that again, as you, you know, as your audience continues to grow, as your business and your brand continues, you know, to grow, you know, how you also maintain control of the content and the messaging that you put out there. You talk about brands that you work with, you know, and being again, authentic on that. How is that kind of, how is that evolving, you know, for you? That's got to be kind of, it's got to be kind of interesting, you know, as you, as you blow up the way that you have. You know, I think the number one thing is that I always stay true to me, exactly like you're saying. And so they will, there will be occasional feedback where I talk about a personal life thing. I talk about some issues in life or sometimes related to policy that I'm passionate about and I will speak on. And I have people who say, well, if I was in a clinic with you as a physical therapist, I wouldn't want to see this. I wouldn't want to hear this. And I say, well, good thing you're not in the clinic with me, huh? because I am, I have this platform for a reason and I'm 100% going to show up as me authentically and fully. And I'm not going to allow someone to tell me what to do and what not to do. This is my platform and I'm not for everyone. And I'm okay with that. But I know 100% without a doubt, when I opened up about my story uh, after the breakup with my emotional journey and how I was coping with everything and got deep and vulnerable, I have served and helped so many more people than if I would have if I would have held that inside. And that was about three years ago. And I still get messages to today for people thanking me for opening up about my journey and still asking questions. So I will always be me. I will always be real and and show what I'm going through or what's hard or what's uncomfortable and the emotional part of how the body is affected as well. Yep. What are you reading right now? What's what's next to the bed? <laughs> uh, next to the bed is a journal, actually. Um, okay. You know, I'm actually just more so listening to podcasts lately um, and really absorbing information there. I haven't, you know, I haven't read lately. I should. I should be. 
That's cool too. I have books next to my bed and I haven't finished any one of them. (laughs) I tend to be like a chapter maybe at a time, you know, and go back to something, how how I'm feeling or listening to something. The bedside looks more impressive than it actually is. (laughs) That's funny. um, Who are you listening to? What, What do you like to listen to? Is it in your wheelhouse of work or do you use podcasts and things to escape from what you do? Uh, a little bit of both. I'm, uh, right now I'm listening to, uh, what is the armchair with Dax? Um, Oh, Dax Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause Allie Raisman, who's a gymnast and her experience for, um, you know, emotionally going through gymnastics and what she's been through, I think is very fascinating. And I love hearing the emotional part of, of a journey of someone. Uh, so I like listening to that, but I also love, I'm obsessed with health stuff and particularly, uh, diving into like Dr. Rhonda Patrick stuff on found my fitness. And she gets very cellular and molecular in, in her stuff, but she reviews studies of, of things and particularly going into more of the, the food aspect, the diet aspect of things that is not in my real house. And I love to learn about. So those are usually more, more so the podcasts that I listen to. Yep. Do you, I know you do a lot of work with, you know, oxygen shape, a lot of the, the women's fitness and health publications. Um, do you follow the men's ones also? Because I find I can reverse the, the women's publications have so much more valuable information, quite frankly, you know, in there. Wow. I actually, I, I gotta be honest, I don't follow the men, so I wouldn't know. It's it's interesting to me. It seems like a lot of the the men's publications, the men's fitness, the men's health, you know, again, they have a lot more on. They're a little bit more hardcore, you know, in a way, in a in a lot of ways. And I've found, you know, as I kind of read some of the female publications out there, whether you know, I get them through my Apple News subscription or my wife is reading them, and I started reading them. There's such a folk a greater focus again on sustainability, longevity, mobility, uh, health, you know, like everything is, it's different in there. It's Mm. been, I've been, I've been taking more from that and feeling like it sounds new to men because maybe we're not getting it, you know, on our Mm -hmm. side, but but it's all right there. You know, Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. You know, whenever I have women and, and and this could be men too. So I I don't want to, you know, say it as a, as if I'm excluding the men, but what I found with women and why, why I think we, we need that down regulation stuff again, men do too, but it's like, I'm now, especially in this day and age, I'm working a high powered job. I'm trying to be uber successful as well as I'm taking care of the kids. I'm taking care of my husband. I'm taking care of the house. And it's like, there's so many responsibilities all wrapped into that, that there's no time for me. There's no time for me to even be seen in this picture. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe that's why a lot of women's health magazines fall into that kind of stuff. But I do think all humans need to be in, in observation and awareness of the balance between the two. Yep. What are you working on now? What's, what's next? You know, what do you have your sights set on for the, for yourself, the brand life? Um, planning a wedding, which is super exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And, and really just, uh, continuing to see now my, my fiance, also a doctor of physical therapy is kind of 
merged into my business a little bit as well. He just has strengths that I, business-wise, that I was never going to have. (laughs) So we've kind of merged things a little bit. And because we have the same mindset, it's just been so incredible to have a partner in all aspects uh, that can support with that. So seeing how we can continue to grow uh, what we're doing in in my membership, the Optimal Body membership, that really is like my entire brain in how I help people. So I love to get people moving in there. Um, how we're maximizing, just just getting those to be seen and getting the value in what they can provide in the body to be felt. That's really like our current focus and and the just what I'm so passionate about. Like, I don't need to create anything new. I don't need to partner with a lot of other brands. I partnered with the brands that I absolutely love and use every single day. So I'm super happy and, and fortunate. And I'm just wanting to grow and expand in what I currently have. And I just can't wait to continue to get that message across and have people feel it in their bodies. That's that's awesome. One last question, because you mentioned, can we, and we can certainly mention your your fiance's name if you want. <laughs> <laughs> out there doing doing great things online, also uh, planning a wedding, mm-hmm. being in business, kind of together. All these, have you established you know certain boundaries? How do you guys communicate about that? Kind of on the the personal side, the professional side. Are there things that are off limits at, at different times? You know, like how are you do, handling that? Yes, we have certainly had to create boundaries um, and and structure. So we actually sometimes have to write in the calendar, this is our connection time. This is our date time. This is our no phone, no work time. Like we literally have had to schedule that in because we can, we're so passionate about what we do, we can get lost in it. And, and it's so important that our number one is never business money status or any of that. Our number one is family connection, friends, and and that kind of value and purpose that we have in life. And so we always want to make sure that's at the forefront and it's not getting hidden by anything else. And uh, we're in so much alignment with that, which is so, so beautiful and makes everything so much easier. Um, <laughs> but we also, we set up goals. So the journal next to my bed, actually, every month, we we're not always as consistent every month. I think we missed last month, but what we always try to do is recreate three personal goals for ourselves, three professional goals for ourselves, and then three three goals as a couple that we're committed to for that month. And we really, we write them down, we talk about them, we get super clear, and we come up with a word of the month that we're both kind of going to embody and embrace and focus on. And that's helped to really drive intention of professional life, personal life, and us as how we're growing as a couple. And so that's really been super supportive to focus on. Wow, I love that. Um, I think you said you skipped this month, but what was the word of last month or this month? <laughs> oh gosh, I would have to grab my um, <laughs> my so journal. I told you it was the last question, but it wasn't. You just said like now. I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're all different. Sometimes it's present, connection, uh, focus. You know, it's just that it's it's whatever we're feeling in the energy to to create together. And I think totally just cool. we're continuing. Not on video. You can make up the word. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing to like just be be mindful and aware and in alignment. That is what we both uh, do for ourselves. Like he has his morning routine. He has his night routine. He has his day-to-day routine that really 
grounds him as a human. And I have my own that grounds me as a human. And as long as we're focused on ourselves in that way, we're able to focus on each other and and grow as a couple so much more. And I learned that, especially coming out of my last relationship, that I wasn't focusing enough on me and, and what I really need and what is the alignment I have inside. And, you know, I've learned that I get to seek that internally. I get to focus on that and, and I get to ask for support in things that I need or when I'm not feeling and not be afraid to. And that's just cultivated such this beautiful alignment connection, understanding within each other. And I have no doubt we're going to continue to grow together. And I'm so excited. Amazing. Really beautiful stuff. Uh, applicable to men and women from either perspective in which you're looking at this. I am going to check back with you every year. Okay, right now. <laughs> Please do. Hold us accountable. <laughs> yep. Kate and I will call you every year. Okay. As we go from like 20 years to 30 years and we're like moving way down the road. So how's this working out for you now? Okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this we're all there. But I, Jen, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, this is was so awesome to have you on the show. I know even going back to the beginning, you said, you know, maybe it's a little different for men to be talking to me or me talking to to men. I hope I did okay speaking with you as as one, the first woman on the Midlife Male podcast um, and kicking off this new season. So thank you so much for your time, your transparency. Um, and everything I get to watch and learn from you every day. It's just, it's awesome. And it's, it's making me happy and keeping me young. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. All right, guys. If you like what you hear on the Midlife Mail podcast, please give us that five-star rating, that leave that nice review. Go follow Jen at DocGenFit and everywhere you can see her, creator of the Mobility Method, um, what else we need to talk about at, uh, optimal body there too. She's everywhere. You're easy to find also, <laughs> yes. which is great. And I highly encourage you to do it. Um, sign up for everything she's got going and you will not regret it. You will feel better. You will move better. You will certainly breathe better. Jen S care. Did I get it right? You did. Very nice. Hey, why is that hard for me? I don't know why. <laughs> Your local McDonald's owners across Washington, D.C., Greater Baltimore, and Eastern Shore are committed community members who all celebrate the diversity of the neighborhoods that they serve. Black History Month is a special time to spotlight the many African-American and Black individuals and organizations that have contributed to our area's growth and development. McDonald's sees, supports, and celebrates you now and all year long.